But I want to I want to I want to talk to you this morning about a guy in scripture. Actually, two two guys in scripture, and this is going to little get this 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 has the potential to get a little bit confusing. Okay, Elijah J, right? Elijah and Elisha. Okay, and so I might interchange those from time to time. This this could be a little hard to follow along, especially if you're online, you might be thinking, which one's he talking about? Uh, I'll try to be as clear as possible, Elijah and Elisha, um, and, uh, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And Elisha, Elisha was one of the greatest prophets of God recorded in the Bible. His name in Hebrew means, my God is salvation. And Elisha's ministry would prove to be a testimony to the meaning of his name. And today I want to look at 1 Kings 19. We're going to dive right in. 1 Kings 19. And I want to look at the call of Elisha that actually comes from Elijah. Okay? So Elijah, and, and, and if we could go back into the beginning of 19, looking at the end of 18, Elijah has had a bad day. People are after him and, um, and, and, and saying that in, in 19 verse 4 that he might die. He, asked, he even asked that he might die saying, It's enough now, Lord. Take my life for I'm no better than my father's. Right? And he laid down and sleep. Kind of has a Jonah moment there in Jonah chapter 4. It'd be better for me to die than to live after what you've done, God. And, and, and so then God goes and, and the word in verse 9 of chapter 19 in 1 Kings says that there he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And what God does in this moment is reminds Elijah that he's got to go out and get Elisha, that he's got to go call Elisha. Why? I'm glad you asked. Because Elisha was going to be the one that carried the torch from Elijah. Elijah's ministry was coming to an end. It was time for a change. It was time, and we're going to look in a couple of weeks at Joshua, right? After the death of Moses, the Lord came and spoke to Joshua, who then carried the mantle, right? And so, and so Elijah, Elijah is about to pass the mantle to Elisha. And so God reminds Elijah, hey, listen, I know this is bleak. I know this isn't looking pretty very good right now. I know it's been a tough run uh, here, but you still got work to do. How many of you, how many of you, let me, let me see your hands. It's okay to be vulnerable in church. All right, it's okay to be vulnerable at church. How many of you have ever wished God would just back off for a minute? Anybody? Okay, I see those hands. All right, God, God, just, just, we've, we've done enough for now, right? Let's just, let's just back off for a little bit, right? Give, give me a little bit of a breather here. Give me a little bit of a break. Can we just call time out? Let me enjoy this moment of, of peace Right? And, 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 and I feel like that's where Elijah was in this moment where he went and lodged with God. He's like, hey, you know, people are after me. Can I just be done with this thing? Like, can I just, can I just spend eternity with you now? Like, can we, can we do that? Um, because I'm pretty done with, with, um, with you know, the, the way life is. And God's like, well, you still have work to do. You still have work to do. And so um, then we pick up in verse 19, in verse 19 of 1 Kings 19. So he departed from there, so Elijah departed from there where he had lodged with God. He had departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast 
his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes and the oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Now, we had a small group that, that got together on Tuesday and, and talked about this passage, and somebody in the small group said, I have no idea how in the world he's going to get anything out of that. Anybody else feel that way? Don't raise your hand. Okay. Um, so so there's, there's, um, there's three verses here, 19, 20, and 21. And I want to go back, and I want to talk about this for a little bit, because we're going we're gonna to look at this call of Elisha in depth. And I wonder, I wonder if, if any of us are kind of walking in a similar season. Because I don't, and I don't just want to look at the call of Elisha, because I want to look at Elijah's response here. I want to look at Elijah's response here, because I think a lot of us probably identify with both of these guys on some level. A lot of us identify with both of these on some level. Okay, but let's look at it. Let's start to unpack it. Okay, so this is during the ninth century BC, not before COVID, before Christ. Okay, we got to be clear about that now because there's two BCs. There's before Christ and there's BC before. No, not funny. Okay, I think section three laughed the most. Okay, so you guys get the prize today. That apple crisp will be coming around. All right? But live during the 9th century BC. Israel here, divided nation. They're full of idolatry. They're full of Baal. Those are some of the things that Elijah was getting frustrated about. And, 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 and here God called an ordinary man, Elisha, who was plowing fields to be a prophet, to counsel kings, to perform miracles, to speak on behalf of God. That was a prophet's responsibility. When you look in the Old Testament, you see the major prophets, the minor prophets. Really, the bulk of their role as a prophet was to speak on behalf of God. That sounds intense, doesn't it? Before God called a prophet, or before God called the prophet, Elisha here, some, some things we've got to know about Elisha. Again, he wasn't the son of a priest. He hadn't, he wasn't a monk, he wasn't, he hadn't been to seminary, obviously. He was living at home, working on his dad's farm. There was nothing special about this guy. There was nothing special about this guy. And I want to look at the first thing that I want to talk about is that he obeyed the call. Now, we're going to talk about Elisha obeying the call because he was willing to obey the call. Elijah was directed by God to find Elisha, his successor to be. But I want to back up for just a moment. I want to show you how Elijah, how, how Elijah obeyed the call. Because here, Elijah, again, earlier in verse 19, had already prayed, right? God, just take me. Just take me. Bring me home to you. I'm done this side of heaven. And God's like, well, no, no, no. You still have work to do. How many of you know it's much easier to sit on the couch sometimes than to do what God's asked you to do? Right? It's just easier. It's more comfortable sometimes. Right? It's more comfortable to sit back in, in the comfort of our own home and the, in the comfort of, of, the, of the sweatpants and the hoodie. Right? It's just easier to sit back than to do what God's asked us to do. It's easier to stay in the comforts of what we've got going on than to step out in faith and do what God's called us to do. Look even further at how, at how Elijah was willing to obey the call. It's almost, it's almost like he was 
upset that he was having to be obedient here. Because he was pretty flippant about the situation. It says there in verse, in verse 19, he departed, went and found Elisha, who was plowing the twelve yoke of oxen in front of him. And, as he, and he was with the twelve, and Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. So what does that look like? So in this time, the cloak was like a mantle. A cloak was like a mantle. And so if someone put their cloak on you, then that, was, that meant that you were going to study under them. That meant that they had something that they were going to teach you, right? And so if I was to, this doesn't really, every illustration breaks down, right? But if I was Elijah in this situation, and Herb was Elisha, can't you just picture that? Herb plowing behind 12 yoke of oxen back 9th century BC. Can't you just picture that in your mind? Right? And Herb's up there and he's plowing and he's plowing. And all of a sudden I'm Elijah and I've spent time with God and people are after me and the country's full of idolatry and, and worship, Baal worshiping and, and all this stuff. And they're putting, they're putting things before God after all that God's shown them, after all God's done uh, in and through them. Right? Think about all the things that have happened up until this point. And I'm Elijah and I just walk up next to, next to Herb who's plowing in the field, doing his responsibility, fulfilling his job, his daily duties, his chores list, and I just throw my cloak on Herb, not saying anything, right? Not saying anything. It's almost like Elijah here is passive in his obedience, right? He's like, he's like, here, you know what? I'm out of words, right? I'm out of words, but I've got to be obedient here. See, the point, the point that I want to make here in looking at Elijah is that we're called to obedience even when we don't feel like it. We're called to obedience even when we don't like it. Let's, let's go there, right? That we have a responsibility to obedience even when it's not comfortable, even when it doesn't feel good because Elijah, right, his neck's out there at this point and yet he's still got work to do. He's, he's got to train up Elisha, right? Because Elisha's got so much to learn. He's been out there plowing fields and he casts his cloak upon him. Casts his cloak upon him. And we're going to look a little bit later back at Elijah, and, and, and the kind of the realization he comes to in verse 20. But before we do that, let's look now at Elisha. See, Elijah went up through his mantle around Elisha, his cloak, and Elisha didn't have to ask what's going on because Elisha knew what this meant. He knew exactly what it meant. Now, a mantle, a cloak, was typically made of animal hair, generally worn by kings and prophets to represent their position and authority. And when someone cast their cloak, their mantle upon someone else, it meant that, Herb, you are now going to be under my care. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to learn you all the things you need to learn. Right? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to raise you up to, to, to come and, 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 and follow, fulfill my legacy. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him, and Elisha knew what that meant, and he wanted to follow Elijah. Now, this was a big step for Elisha. He wanted this. He wanted to follow Elijah. He was, you can almost anticipate with how, how quickly he followed him, right? He left the oxen, ran after Elijah. Let me just kiss my father and mother, and then I'll go back and I'll follow you. He was willing to accept the call into the ministry of the prophets. Now, this wasn't Elijah's plan. It was God's plan, right? That's important to note. This wasn't Elijah's plan. We've, kind of, we've talked about that. We've touched on that already. This wasn't Elijah's plan. It was God's plan. It wasn't even Elisha's own doing. 
from what happened earlier, we knew that this was the plan of God. There was no hard sailing, selling, or any persuasion from Elijah. Elisha was simply going about his normal daily business of plowing the fields when God came through his prophet Elijah and sought him out. Elisha has the freedom to choose, and he chose to follow Elijah and serve the world. Serve the world. Serve the Lord. Excuse me. It wasn't a better life. It wasn't a choice to a better life. An easy, uh, as in an easier, more comfortable life. Elisha was called to, uh, called it a difficult time in his nation's history. They were surrounded by enemies. There was widespread, you know, like I said, Baal worshiping, idol worshiping in their land. It was a call to significance. It was a call to significance. And here Elisha is doing his hard, boring, monotonous work. Right? Just plowing fields. When Elijah came and cast his cloak on him. Same thing every day. Day after day after day after day. But he obeyed the call. He was willing to obey the call. And see, and see, we can identify that with that, right? See, we can identify with both of these, like I said earlier. Because Elisha, right? How many of you just feel like, man, you're checking a box every day. You're going to work and you're staring at oxen rears every day, day after day after day after day after day. The second thing these guys did is that they counted the cost. They counted the cost. They obeyed the call. They counted the cost. See, we see the seriousness of Elisha's response. We see the seriousness of Elisha's response. Look at verse 21. And he returned from, plow, from following him, took the yoke of oxen, sacrificed them, boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted on him. I preached on this passage about uh, five or six years ago, I think it was. And then again at Camp 207 a, a few years back. And, and in that message, I made a big deal about what Elisha did here. Elisha burned his plan B. Right? Elisha burned his plan B. How many of you know, right, you've got plan A, you've got plan B, some of you have plan C, D, all the way to T, maybe even Z, right? And Elisha here, his, 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 Elijah's cloak had been cast upon him, he was called into ministry, called to follow Elijah, right? And he didn't want anything, he didn't want anything to distract him out on the ministry field. He didn't want anything to distract him in, in following Elijah. He didn't want to think one day while he was out there being a prophet, he didn't want to think, well, you know what? It was a lot easier back when I was just plowing fields every day. It was a lot easier. See, how many of you know the grass is greener on the side that you water? Right? And so, and so Elisha, Elisha didn't even want to do that. Right? That's probably my favorite thing about this passage and what, and what Elisha did here in, his, in, in response to his call. He burned his plan B. And that's how he, he counted the cost. He was prepared to count the cost. He slaughtered his pair of oxen as a sacrifice, burnt the plowing equipment to cook the meat, and there was no going back. There was no going back for him. No going back for him. And this is no small feat. We're told that he had 12 pairs of oxen in the field, meaning that he was likely very rich. 
that this was a lot for him to do. Twelve pairs of oxen in this time was a lot for him to do. And with twelve pairs of oxen plowing the field, his, co- his crops were understandably huge. There's a lot to let go. But to Elisha, there was more to gain in serving God. To Elisha, there was more to gain in serving. What a mature response here, right? Some would say irresponsible and stupid. <laughs> yeah? I mean, culture would look at this, right? We would look at this. Some of us would even look at this and be like, man, you know what? That's great that Elisha casts his cloak upon you, right? I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. And, uh, and, and, and you know, but here, Elisha, before you go, just know, I mean, you should keep these oxen, right? You should keep these oxen because it just makes sense that you would be able to have something to come back to, right? And e- e- either that happened, <laughs> either that happened and they, they chose not to put that in Scripture. Maybe when he went back and kissed mom and dad, they said, hey, you probably shouldn't burn. You probably need something to come back to because these prophets, they don't make a lot and you're going to need to support a family. Like you're just, no, we don't see any of that, right? This was, this was huge for him. And Elisha realized that there was more to gain in serving God as a prophet. He would still plow the hard ground, so to speak. He would still plow the hard ground, not the natural ground of this land, but the spiritual ground of the hearts of his people. Of the hearts of his people. Now, I want to look back at Elijah and this. Again, we're talking about counting the cost. Elijah has a light bulb go off in verse 20. And he left the oxen, Elisha left the oxen, ran up after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and my mother and I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again. For what have I done to you? So this wasn't an attempt to put off the call or an act of hesitation for Elisha. Elisha was planning to give his life. Elisha was preparing to leave for good. This was it. And so he's just saying, he's just saying, let me, let me run back and say goodbye to mom and dad. It was a commitment, in fact. Let me say goodbye for good. And Elijah's response, go back again one more time for what have I done to you, was more of an idiom that expresses the great commitment that he saw in Elisha. You can almost hear Elijah saying, oh my, what have I done to this kid? What have I done to this boy? He's going to leave his parents, look at him, he's over there slaughtering his oxen, he's going to feed his family, because that would have been no doubt one of Elisha's responsibilities, and plowing was to, was to help feed the family, was to help provide for the family. What in the world have I done to this family? And so Elisha responds in counting the cost, and Elijah's thinking, what have I done? I've just wrecked this kid. And so he tells him, hey, go back one more time. Go back one more time. For what, for what have I done to you? Go back. Kind of blesses that he goes back. And then Elisha goes and burns his plan B. And then he left all of it to follow Elijah. Not prepared to return. He was determined to follow Elijah and serve as a prophet of God. He became his attendant. Which that meant a servant, a a learner, a disciple. We're going to look next week back at Elisha and Elijah and some of the ministry that they did, some some of the times that they had. But then the third thing I want to talk about, so we've talked about the call, the obedience to the call. We've talked about counting the cost. The third C, 
See what I did there? Is that he made the commitment. He made the commitment. He was determined to make the commitment. Elisha served Elijah as his attendant, serving and learning from him for seven or eight years until his master was taken away. And Elisha was determined to follow Elijah wherever he went, as long as it took. What a story. What a story. It's a story of God's call. It's a story of obedience, certainly. It's a story of, of, of discipleship and legacy. As we see Elijah passing his legacy on to, uh, Elijah passing his legacy on to Elisha. But you know what else is a story of, I believe, in my heart of hearts? Comfort. It's a story of comfort. It's a story of comfort. Can I just, can I just make... The, I guess the announcement, the declaration, and maybe some of you would agree, maybe some of you are too comfortable to agree. <laughs> Not all of our comforts are good for us. Right? Not all of our comforts are useful. Not all of our comforts are helpful. Not all of our comforts are helpful. You know, the, 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 the thing that I was thinking that this season has really done for the body of Christ, the living, acting body of Christ is this. Because I, because I think maybe back in February, maybe back in January, um, we could have we sat and said, you know what, we're, we're kind of like Elisha as the church. We're kind of like Elisha as the church. In fact, I kind of still see as I've been reading this passage and kind of meditating on it all week, you know, some of us are comfortable, some of us are comfortable just plowing the fields sitting back, and I kind of equated it to a Sunday morning, that some of us think that plowing the fields and sitting back and staring at oxen rears up there preaching is what church is meant to be, is what church is all about. And you know what, I feel like, I feel like God's calling us and this growing together, but even before that, he's been molding us, he's been shaping us up until this point, the same way he did Elisha, preparing him for Elijah to come one day, right? To not physically, okay, I want to make this very clear, because I know we've got some, 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 some firemen in the place, and some people that care deeply about firemen and, 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 and those types of things, but to burn our plan B, Right? To burn our plan B, to go and to, and to do something different, to not just stay comfortable sitting, staring at what's been, staring at what we've maintained, staring at, at, at what we've had all of this time, but to burn plan B and to go to a new thing that God is calling us. Why? Why did God call Elisha? To go and be a prophet, to go and speak on behalf of God to a nation that was corrupt, to a nation that that was hurting to a nation that was broken, to a nation who didn't know who their God was, who had forgotten, who had been distracted by these false teachings, by these false prophets. And so as I sat and I read this this past week, I thought, wow. Wow. Our church culture needs a cloak. We need a new mantle. 
We need God to come. And that's why I love that song, God of Revival. The chains will be broken. They'll hit the ground, right? And, and, and the God of Revival will come and, 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 and give a new thing and do a new thing. And can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? We don't see this in Scripture. We don't see this in Scripture. But I know me and I know a lot of you enough. I mean, I mean the, just because just it doesn't say it doesn't mean it necessarily isn't there, right? I wonder, I wonder the fear that Elisha must have been, must have been dealing with and thinking, about, and thinking about what's coming, right? And thinking about what's coming. It doesn't, it doesn't mean, faith does not mean there's no fear. There ought to be fear. Fear of God, right? Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Anybody ever heard of that? I think it's in a pretty popular book. Maybe the Bible. Right? And so there's, that's healthy, right? That's healthy. But there's two things I want to tell you. There's two things I want to tell you as we close. And the first one is this. first one is this. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Look back at Elisha. Let me, let me, the cloak's been cast upon him just, just at the end of verse 19 and then 20, left the oxen and ran, ran after Elijah and said, let me just kiss my parents real quick and then I'll follow you. And Elisha, and Elijah said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? Essentially saying, Man, I've ruined this kid's life. Go take your time. And he returned from following him, did all those things, right? Elisha didn't understand fully what God was calling him to do, but he obeyed immediately. He obeyed immediately. We see that elsewhere in Scripture, right? God talking to Moses, go to the land that I will show you, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Moses didn't know where that was. They wandered in the desert for years and years and years. And, and, and Moses didn't know where that was, what that was going to look like, all that that was going to entail, but he followed God. I think, of, I think of Jesus calling the disciples, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. What does that mean? What does that mean? Right? I mean, if we think about that in terms of talking to a real fisherman, you, what, what do you want me to do? You want me to cast a net in hopes that some people jump like fish, fishers of men? Right? I mean, let's think about that for a second. Right? Elisha didn't have to pray about it. He didn't have to set up a pros and cons list. He didn't have to go to his therapist and ask what his therapist thought. Didn't need the details. Didn't need to know what the salary was going to be. He just trusted him. And immediately, immediately said, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Instantly. Instantly. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And the second principle I see in this, those that God uses the most are the ones that hold on to the least. Those that God uses the most are the ones that hold on to the least. Elisha slaughtered the oxen. A ceremonial sacrifice to celebrate he killed the fact, but, but yet it, he doesn't just make some steak, right, to feed his family. He burns the plows. He burns the plows. And again, many of us would probably think this is irresponsible, right? How irresponsible is this? Pastor, I mean, I just, man, I don't even, 
I don't even know what that would look like. I don't even know what that would look like. The disciples left everything. Dropped their nets, followed him, Luke chapter 5, right? And, and I, believe, I believe the thing that, that I, I think God's calling us to this week as we think about this on multiple levels is he's calling us to a plow burning faith. He's calling us to abandon the comforts that we've created for ourselves as the body. Those that hold on to the least, I believe, are the ones that God uses the most. But here's something that we've got to talk about. If you look at Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, and I'll read it for you real quick. It says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds have the air, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus, sounds familiar. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back as fit for the kingdom of God. Can I tell you something about being a Jesus follower? God never intended His church to play it safe. God never intended His church to play it safe. I've been, I've been thinking about it a lot this past week. Peter is in a situation in the book of Acts. I believe it's Peter. I think Luke might have been there. Uh, I'm a little little foggy on the story, but I've been thinking about it quite a bit this past week. And and they're imprisoned, right? You remember why they're imprisoned? For preaching the gospel. For preaching the gospel. They're imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And yet, what, what they start doing about midnight, at a time when they probably should have just chilled out, sat there, maybe waited till morning, slept on it, right? Figured out a plan the next day, maybe sought after God. You know what they started doing? They started praying. They started praising. They started worshiping in that prison. You know what happened? The, 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 the jailman, the jailkeeper, the jail what, is, what is it? The guards, thank you, Dylan. The guards, right? Let them out. Let them out. And they're like, this is a miracle. And then, and, and then yet again, you think, man, they, ought, they probably ought to take them. They ought to probably take them. But again, they, they went out. You know what they did? They started preaching again. They started preaching again. Peter, James, and John. I don't think Paul was there yet. I think it was, I think it was like Acts 6, 7, that, in that area. They were faithful to the call of God. They were faithful to the call of Christ. See, and here's the truth. Again, don't miss it. Don't miss it. God never intended for His church to play it safe. God never intended for His church to play it safe. And sometimes I feel like, and I think we talked about this last week, that the church has just taken the passive response. That we're going to sit back and see how it happens 
response. We're going to see what, we're, we're, and, we, and, and we've been really holy about it, haven't we? We're just going to see what doors God opens. We're going to see what doors God opens. Listen to me. For some of you, God's been wanting you to leave that job for a long time. For some of you, God's got doors for you that have been open for a long time, and you know it. And you know it. And the comfort, and the comfort and the security, we love to throw that word around there, the comfort and the security of just plowing every day and having something to go to and having something to do. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you what it's done? It's crippled the body of Christ. Because if we do that in our own lives, guess what's going to happen when we come together? You see that? God never intended, never intended for us to just sit and stare at oxen rears. Now, hear me, because I don't want anybody to go tomorrow and quit your job without having God clearly say that. Now listen, for some of you, for some of you, it's that you're playing it safe in your comfort. Right? And God's called you to that person that's sitting next to you at the lunch table. That person that's sitting next to the lunch table, you need to tell them about Jesus. You need to tell them about what God's done in your life. And instead of looking at your job as an oxen rear that's just monotonous, the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, you need to, you need to create some, some excitement there and see it as uh, this is the place that God has placed me for His glory and for His purposes. This is where God's placed me to proclaim Him, to speak truth in this place. God never intended for us to play it safe. And lastly, 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 oh, I already said it, I already said it. We were never intended to play it safe. And so worship team's going to come and we're going to sing a song. But, but my question for us is, what step of faith has God called you to? What step of faith has God called you to? There's, there's a guy by the name of Bob Goff. He's an author, speaker. A lot, a lot of folks around here really enjoy him. Love Does is one of his books. And, and he, he, he's written a couple other books. And One day he was sitting around and, and defi- defining his values. And he sat around and he said, you know, I really haven't had enough time for my kids. I really haven't had enough time for my family. He's like, I'm really feeling burnt out here and kind of at my wit's end. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm just really struggling with this stuff. So he was, a, he was a partner in a law firm. And he went into the law firm and he said, hey, guys, um, today's my last day for about six months. I'm going to take six months off. I've just got some things I've got to do. I've got some things I've, uh, I've got to figure out. Now, granted, he was a partner in a law firm, so he could afford to do something like this. Again, I'm not encouraging you to go do something crazy tomorrow without hearing from God. We've got to hear from God. That's a big point to this, right? Elijah heard from God, went to Elisha, and Elisha was obedient to God, walking in step with God. But Bob Goff tells the story about how he just, he just felt like this was something that God led him to do. You know what his partner said? They didn't say, you know what, Bob, that's a great idea. Take the next six months. And you just find yourself, you figure out what you need to do. They said, no, we expect to see you here tomorrow. 
Guess what? Bob didn't show up. He took six months off. Six months later, he goes back into work, right? Not really knowing what to expect. They welcomed him back. They welcomed him back. If God is, I'm not saying, again, again, please hear me, please hear me. Now may not be the time for you to go in and tell your boss, hey, you know what, I need six months. But now may be the time for you to sit with God and say, you know what, I'm plowing the field here. I'm being faithful. God, I'm doing what I feel like you're asking me to do. God, can you show me something? Can you show me something? Am I holding on to some things too hard, too tightly? Am I holding on to some comforts? Am I placing some things ahead of you that I shouldn't place ahead of you? Are we doing this as a church? Are we placing comforts and preferences and all of that ahead of what God's trying to do? What God's trying to do? I hope not. I hope not. We had a cool experience yesterday. I hope I'm okay to share this because I, I wasn't there. I had already left. But we were, we were praying out on the land. We mentioned, we mentioned to you, we were shocked. We had more people at 6.30 than we did at 8. But that was okay. But the 8 o'clock crew that was praying... They had just prayed for the neighbors around the land at Cressy Road and the other roads that are there that I'm blanking on right now. 202 and Flaggy Meadow and up there, all that area of Gorm. They had just prayed for the neighbors and I believe I was told Bruce had just prayed and Ian had just prayed and they said amen. And this guy walks up from across the street and says, is this a private meeting? <laughs> Is this a private meeting? And they said, no. And they said, well, I just want you to know I'm a neighbor from across the street. I'm a Christian. And I can't tell you how excited I am that a church might be coming in across the street. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Just prayed for that, right? Just prayed for that. And, I, and they, they said he might be here today. So Steve, if you're here, welcome, man. I'm sorry I didn't get to meet you, but I look forward to meeting you. Isn't that cool? God is moving. And this is a hard message to preach right now. This is a hard message to preach right now because I believe as I began mentioning at the beginning of the message, if there's anything the last, I don't even know how many months we're up to now, it's October, so seven months-ish. Six and a half, seven months. If there's anything in the last six and a half, seven months have taught us that nothing is secure. And somebody asked me like Friday afternoon, are we having church outside? Are we inside this Sunday? Like the church has become really mobile. And thank you for that. Thank you for your grace in that. Thanks for bringing blankets. Next Sunday they're saying it's going to be like 10 degrees warmer. So it's awesome. Right, God's trying to hold this weather out. Cat Powers said she'll come in and snow blow and we can meet out here in January. So we'll see. Herb's like all excited about that.
And so I know for some of you, you I stand up here and preach about comfort today, and you've been uncomfortable for the last seven months. And God has stretched you in ways and is stretching you in ways, man, that are tough. They're just tough. They're just hard. They're just hard. And maybe not even maybe not even talking about COVID, but maybe something in your relationship, something in your marriage, maybe the loss of a loved one, maybe, maybe, you know, it could could be anything, could be anything. But you know what? You know what I think about when I look at Elisha? That I'm challenged by. Am I placing my desire for comfort above my desire for obedience? Am I placing my desire for comfort? And preferences over my faith. And that's the question I would ask you to consider this morning. The song we're going to sing is called, I Choose to Worship. Would you make the choice today that God, okay, you know what? I want this. I want this. This feels good. This feels safe. This feels this way. This feels that way. But God, you know. And I'll follow you. I'll follow you. We pray with me. So God, today I pray that you would show us how to respond. That you'd show us how to respond in faith. That you'd show us how to walk in faith. Not according to the things that comfort us or the things that make us feel a certain way. But God, according to your will and your way for me, for my family, for the families that are represented in front of me, for your church for your bride. So God, I pray that you call us to deeper things, that you call us to things that are going to stretch our faith and that we would be obedient even when we don't feel like it, even when, we, even when we're ready for a break or a breather, or that God, we would count the cost and that God, we would commit to follow you whatever it takes and wherever it is. In Jesus' name I pray.